Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. What's up, everybody? Y'all enjoying church already today? Come on, make some noise for Jesus if you're enjoying church. Some fabulous worship, and I'm glad to have you in the house today. Uh, My name is Jonathan Moore. I would assume that none of you have any idea who I am. My name is Jonathan Moore, and uh, I I, uh, pastor a church in the San Antonio region, uh, which is not important, although I do love my church, but what's really important for you guys is that I love your pastor a whole bunch, and I'm very, very close to Pastor Danny, met him. We went to college together, y'all, so we've been been knowing each other a long, long time, and uh, got to be in their wedding and singing their wedding and uh, Danny was in my wedding Rachel was like 12 when I got married so she was she wasn't around yet but uh, I do love Danny Pastor Danny and Rachel do you love your pastors do you love your pastors awesome I, uh, I love this house. I get to come about once a year. And uh, while Danny's doing missions work, which is where he is right now. And I'm glad to be here with you guys. Glad to be here. I love, I love what I feel in the house. I love the energy. And uh, somebody forgot to tell y'all that it was a holiday weekend. Y'all went ahead and get, y'all going to get your Jesus on anyway. And I love that. I love that's how, it, that's how it should be. One of the freedoms that we have that we can celebrate this week is the freedom to worship like we're worshiping here today and uh, I'm glad that you are here for week I believe week five of a series uh, called summer songs psalms summer songs got to slow down to say all that Uh, but we've been going through the book of psalms and looking at at different psalms and breaking them down and teaching from them Uh, the book of psalms is an old testament book that was kind of like a song book for Israel and it's a collection of collection of, of, of songs, a collection of poetry, and uh, some of it is abstract, some of it is very direct. There's a lot of joy written in the Psalms. There's a lot of celebration. Uh, there's some pain. There's some struggle. There are a lot of questions that show up in, in the Psalms. And, and today we're going to, to read a, a section from, we're going to look at Psalm chapter 105, and uh, we're going to point out a very specific section from that, <clears throat> from that chapter. But before I dive off into that, let me ask you a question. Have any of you guys ever uh, shown up to school? And for some of you, you just got to go back like a month. Although some of you might be in summer school. I don't know. But you just got to go back a month. For others, you might need to go back, well, a few years, a few years. Um, but just go back to whenever you were in school and you showed up and there was a test that you were not prepared for. Anybody ever showed up for a test that you were not prepared for? Like the piece of paper gets, you sits down on the desk and at the appointed time you flip it over and immediately anxiety sets in. That just, that fear overwhelmed you. You start to sweat and you, you assume that everybody's freaking out as well. And so you're like, oh God, what are we going to do? You're already sweating and you look around and everybody else is, they're digging through theirs as if they wrote the stinking test. I think that's kind of everybody's worst nightmare showing up. Y'all remember the Scantrons? Anybody remember the Scantron test? The little bubbles that you kind of had to fill in. The little bubbles. Love the Scantron. But there was always that one smart kid, usually a girl, 
that one smart kid, and they're sitting there. It's like they're, it's like they're killing bugs. They're filling, in, they're filling in the bubbles just like this. They're filling it in so fast. Again, just like they wrote the test. Smart kids. You know what? Let's make some noise for the smart kids. Come on. Stop it. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. We don't like the smart kids because they mess up the curve for the rest of us. I, I always love the multiple choice question, uh, multiple choice test. Amen. Thank God for multiple choice. Is the answer A, B, C, or D? At least I got a fighting chance. You know what I said? At least I got twenty-five percent chance to get it right. And how many of you answered D way too often? All of the above or none of the above? I was like, I don't think it's any of those. Uh, I'll, I'll just fill in D. Well, today we're going to talk a little bit about about testing, and we're going to look at uh, Psalm chapter 105, and in Psalm chapter 105, it's a, it's a unique psalm, unique psalm because um, the, very, the first 15 verses of the psalm are actually pulled from uh, a book in, in, in the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles chapter 16. Actually, word for word, the first 15 verses of Psalm 105 are also found in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, beginning with verse 8, where there it's presented as a composition of praise from David, written to celebrate and to, to, to worship God for the bringing of the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. After that first 15 verses, and, and even during some of that first 15 verses, David begins to tell like a 30,000-foot you know, view uh, of the story of, of Israel, of the nation of Israel, specifically focusing on the promises of God to Israel and how he was faithful to fulfill those promises. And after those 15 verses, he just kind of continues and tells the rest of the story. And at the beginning of the chapter, in verse number 8, David specifically points out some promises that God gave uh, Israel, that the covenant that he made with Abraham. And then at the end of the chapter, verses 43 and 44, um, he writes about how the people of Israel were brought out of captivity with joy and how they were able to enter into the land of promise that they didn't even have to work for, all right? So he, there's a promise at the beginning and there's a payoff at the end. But today we're going to look at a specific section in the middle. In fact, would you say that with me? Would you say the middle? One, two, three. The middle. The middle. We're going to look at a specific portion in the middle. Because the middle matters. How we handle the middle matters as it relates to our destiny. When God gives us a promise, and somewhere between the promise and the payoff, there's always an in-between. There's always a middle, and sometimes there can be some proving in that season. Sometimes there can be some pain in that season. So we're going to look at a section in the middle, Psalm 105, verse number 16. God, he hears God called for a famine in the land of Canaan, cutting off its food supply. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph. Everybody say Joseph. Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with fetters. They placed his necks, and this is a huge story, like the story of Israel and the story of Joseph, and Joseph played such an integral part into helping that, that promise uh, become a reality. But they, they bruised his feet with fetters. They placed his neck in an iron collar. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. 
Until the time, until the fulfillment of the dreams came, God tested Joseph's character. See, we love the dreams. We love the fulfillment of the dreams. But some of that in-between stuff that happens in the middle, well, that's not necessarily our favorite season. What happened with Joseph is, in Genesis chapter 37, he was, he was part of this big story of Israel and their deliverance and, and them getting into their land of promise. But what happened is God gave him two dreams when he was 17 years old. He didn't really understand what the dreams really meant, um, but he was silly enough to tell his brothers about the dreams because um, he kind of liked it because he was mistreated a little bit by his brothers because uh, he was his father's favorite son, and since he was a favorite, his brothers didn't have much for him. But in the dreams, he, he basically saw everybody bowing down to him, like all his brothers bowing down to him, uh, almost in a posture of, of, of worship or in a posture of need. And, and what the dream ultimately really meant was that he would one day be leading the nation of Israel. He would, he would be saving, saving thousands of lives as, as a leader. Um, but before that payoff came, there was a lot of pain. In fact, his brothers, after he told them the dream, you got to be careful who you share your dreams with because not everybody is ready uh, to celebrate with you what they think God has given you. Not everybody's ready for it. Uh, and, and, and his brothers didn't like him, and so they, they took him and they faked his death. They sold him into slavery. Um, after he was sold into slavery, uh, the, the, the man who's, who, who had him as a slave, he actually, Joseph found favor with this man. His name was Potiphar, but Potiphar's wife uh, wanted to s- sleep with Joseph, and he wouldn't. He pushed back her advances, and so she lied and said that he actually you know, tried to get her, and so Potiphar took him, had him thrown into prison, and he spent like 11 years in prison, and it was a nightmarish season, a nightmarish time. We love the dream. We love the fulfillment of the dream. But we don't always love that in-between season. But I want you to hear me. How we respond to God in the middle, how we stay faithful in the middle, ultimately determines whether we get to the miracle that we are after or not. The, our faithfulness in the middle absolutely matters. I want to look at a passage from, from the book of James today, New Testament book of James. And James was the half-brother of Jesus, and James believed in Jesus. Now, that's something in and of itself, that, that, that Jesus' brother actually believed that he was God in the flesh. I mean, I don't know what it would take for you, for your siblings to believe that you were God, but for me, it would take a lot. Like, I think it would basically take a resurrection, like if there was a death and a resurrection, maybe, but even then I think we'd be like, I don't know about this. No, 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 no. But James believed, in fact, so much that James was actually, he gave his life. He was murdered for the message of Jesus. He was told to renounce Jesus or die, and he would not, so he was beaten to death. This is an amazing credit, right, to the, to the deity and, and the character of Christ that even his brother believed. In the reading that we're going to read, we're going to read from the first chapter of James. James is writing to Jews who are, who are scattered abroad. 
They're hoping that the persecution of believers, that the, the punishment of Christians, they're hoping that they're going to hear that it's come to an end and they can all go back home, you know, to Jerusalem. And, and, and James writes this book to them and they've been waiting for this letter. They've been waiting, believing that they're going to hear. You can all come home now. The, the persecution is over. So whenever someone comes up one day, you know, somebody went down to the post office. They came up and said, we got the letter. We got the letter from James. They all gathered around. All right, we're fired up. This is going to be good news. I know it's going to be amazing. They all sit down. They got their popcorn and their, and their Cokes like y'all do it at the movies. And, and, and you're, they're fired up about, about the message that they're going to hear. And James starts this way the first thing that he says is consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters yes about to have great news joy is coming whenever you face trials of many kinds and someone in the back like, wait 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 what I was chewing my popcorn I think I, I thought I heard you say like be happy about trials and in the in the in the the reader said, oh, that, yep, that, that's what it says. Whenever you face trials, you should still be joyful. And before we read the rest of this, I just want to kind of take some, some time out here because you need to know up front that joy is not just a feeling. Feelings can be very, very fickle. You know that. Our feelings go up and they go down. We have good feelings, we have bad feeling, but joy is not just a feeling because feelings, good ones come and go and joy in our life should be consistent. Like it stays in spite of trials, in spite of trials. And, and you don't need to lose your joy because Nehemiah says that the joy of the Lord is your strength, like it's where you get your strength from. And there's a lot of followers of Christ who have struggled with strength. And, and they feel like they are weak, but it's because they've lost their joy. They've allowed, they've confused happiness with happenings. A lot of people think if the happenings go bad, then my, my happiness must be going to go bad. But that's not how it should be. James is telling us that even if you're facing trials, you can still have joy. Like joy is something that lives inside of me and it's based on my knowledge and my belief that my God is working all things for my good. Like it's fueled by my identity in him. It's grounded in the hope that I have in him and in knowing, again, that all things work together. What I hope to help you see in, in, in the few minutes that we have together today is that even during the trial, even during the test, Jesus has a blessing for you. And I'll, I'll continue reading here because James helped him understand what he meant. Consider it pure joy when you face trials because you got to know that you need to know that the testing of your faith, none of us like testing, but the testing of your faith produces something. It produces perseverance, and, and we got to let perseverance finish its work so that we may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. So when we face the trial, we got to know that it's producing something, and once I get through it, if I, if I walk through it, I've got to believe that I'm going to get something from it. Like when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because I know you're with me, God. And I'm not, I'm not going to set up a tent. I'm not going to build a house in the valley. 
I'm walking through the valley. And when I get through the trial, when I get through the test, on the other side, I'm going to be mature, complete, not lacking anything. So I want to look at a few thoughts about testing today, about spiritual testing. The first one is simply this. My testing, or my test, is producing something in me. I don't know what it's producing. I can't seem to figure it out. I mean, I don't, I don't know why I'm having to deal with this. Listen, you've got to know that God knows what you need. He knows when you need it. He knows what you're going to deal with next week. He knows what you're going to deal with next year. We live in this little box called time, and we can't, we can't go back, and we can't go forward, but your God is not bound by that same box. He knows your future. He knows what you need next week. He knows what you need, uh, need, need in three years. And your test is producing something in me. James says your test is producing perseverance. And if it's not producing anything else, in fact, I believe that so many of the tests that we have in our life, that we walk through in our life, is not even about learning information, but it's about producing perseverance. It's about learning to just persevere. I can tell you this, the older I get, and the longer that I pastor, the more I understand the power of just perseverance. Because there are very few things in life, very few things in life are about sprinting, like do it as fast as you can. But so many things in life come about like a marathon, just one foot in front of the other, one step at a time. My kids ran track in high school. They were athletes and played all through high school, but they ran track in, in middle school, I should say, middle school. And um, I don't know if we have any track parents in the house or track kids in the house, but about the worst thing uh, I could think of ever doing in my life is sitting in the bleachers on a hot day uh, in late spring in San Antonio, Texas, um, to watch my kid run for 30 seconds. Like, sit there for three hours to watch for 30 seconds. I'm like, can you not just give us a list of when my kid is going to run so that I can go sit at a coffee house or whatever in air conditioner and make sure I get in there? But the one time I tried to, tried to play that game, and I came running out of the car as his race was finishing. And so I realized, you just, just sit in the bleachers and endure it. But both of my boys ran a couple of different events. They, they both ran the 100 meter, which was just a quick little dash, like you run as fast as you can. They were both good at that. They were fast. Um, and they both ran um, the 4x4, the, the, the four four, which is a relay where you run uh, 400 meters. You run all the way around the track. And you get a baton and run all the way around the track. And so the 4x4 four four is completely different than the 100 meter dash. They were both good at the 100 meter. They weren't as good at the 400 because they would start really fast. They'd get out in front of everybody and I'm like, you go, they're going to catch you. They're going to catch you. And sure enough, sure enough, they're looking like they're just going to run away from everybody. But by the time they get all the way around, you know, half the pack has, has passed them because they just didn't know. They wanted to sprint. They wanted to sprint. So many times in our life, so many times in this generation, we want everything to be a sprint. But listen to me, anything worth accomplishing is worth taking the time, is worth being patient with the process. In fact, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible says, Therefore, since we are surrounded with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. 
Let us run with perseverance. So if we're running with perseverance, that means there's going to be some time involved. That means there's going to be some difficult miles, some challenging seasons. But again, I think so many of the things that God takes us through in life or that we wind up going through in life are all about learning perseverance, just learning stick-to-itiveness, just learning to hang in there. Guys, we planted a church just like your pastor planted this amazing church. And thank God that Pastor Danny and Rachel answered the call of God to plant LifePoint Church. Your life has been changed. Your kids' lives are being changed right now because they've answered the call. But it wasn't just answering a call 14 years ago, y'all. There's been a lot of years where there's been a lot of difficult seasons portable in God, 34 different places. I don't know, not that many, but it sure seemed like a lot of difficult seasons of setting up and tearing down. And a lot of people would have said, I'm tired of all this. There's other things that I can do with my life. And yet they just persevered. They just got up and put one foot in front of another. They just did not quit. They just did not quit. That's how it is. This is how life is. And James, again, in verse number four of James 1, says let perseverance finish. You gotta let it finish. A lot of us don't let it finish. And a lot of people never reach maturity and they never get to that place where they get to the payoff that God promised them because they don't pass the test. They don't let it finish. It's like, it's like the harvest. It's how the harvest works. If you've ever planted anything, and I'm certainly not a farmer, but I had a grandfather who was, and I spent summers in, in East Mississippi with him as he would plant and water and wait. Weed, water, wind, rain, sunshine, and we wait. A lot of us don't let it finish. God, I'm tired of all this. We can't be faithful in the middle. And if we go to dig up the seed to see if anything is happening, we destroy it. But if you'll just be faithful, if you'll just wait, when difficult seasons are happening, when your kids are going crazy, when you're trying to stay faithful, when you're tired, when your body is, when there's illness or sickness in your life, you just don't give up. When challenges arise on Sunday and you be like, I'm going to church anyway. We are going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay faithful to the house of, I don't care if it's a holiday weekend and we got family coming in town. We are going to church. We just stay faithful all through the process. Don't dig it up. Let it finish its work. Then you'll be mature and complete, not lacking anything. My test is producing. If I'll let it grow, if I'll let it finish, it will produce and the second thing that you need to know about tests is simply this my test is preparing me for my promotion for my promotion I gotta I'm gonna take some weight off some parents in the house because there's this question that we get from our kids and we're really not sure how to answer them sometimes you get that question from your kids why do I have to take algebra dad do you actually use algebra and, and, you know, we don't really have good answers a lot of times. And maybe you use algebra. I don't know. Uh, but eventually there will be something. Why do I got to take chemistry? Dad, do you really use chemistry? And I could lie and say absolutely every day. But I'm not going to lie to my child. But I've got an answer for you, parents. The next time you get that question, why do I have to take chemistry? Well, do you want to go to the next grade? Yes, well, if you're going to get out of the seventh grade and get to the eighth grade, 
then you got to pass that test. It's just, it's as simple as that. In order to get to the next level in your life, and so many of the things that we deal with in our life, if we resist God's curriculum, we'll never access his promotion. So much of it is about promotion, God preparing us to take us where he wants to go. But if we say, no, not today, don't you test me, God, then we'll miss the moment. We're not letting perseverance finish its work. I've had a season in my life that was a difficult time where um, I had uh, basically a year of, uh, of traumatic experiences and you get, you get punched in the gut and, uh, a couple of months later you're finally about to stand up and somebody, you know, uppercut to the jaw. Oh, what happened there? And, you know, you're bloody and battered and bruised. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You've been through seasons like this and you're thinking, how much stinking more can I handle? And then when I'm thinking, okay, it's all over now. Now, I get another backhand, just another backhand. Didn't see that one coming either. And I remember just being down and thinking, this is not worth it. There's so many other things I could be doing that wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't be having to deal with this. I might be ready just to move on from my calling. And I had a friend tell me on the phone, Jonathan, I don't really, I don't really know why all this, I'm really sorry that all this is happening. But I'll never forget what he said. He said, but you've got to be being set up for a crazy promotion. All I can think, he said, was this is the last test before your promotion. The last test before your promotion. And he was right. It was the last test, or at least for that season before that promotion. Now there are other ones because God always has something next. But I don't want to ever resist God's curriculum and reject his promotion. Because there's no advancement when we reject the test. And sometimes we see people who are where we want to be. Wow, look at where they are. But what we don't see is the test and the pain and the trauma and the struggle that it took for them to get where they are. So remember, I want you to be reminded, and somebody's dealing with something today, and I want you to know that God has a promotion for you. You're just one faithful step away from that promotion. Stay faithful to God. Continue serving. Continue giving. Continue showing up. Continue praying. Continue opening your Bible and read it. Do what you know to do is right. Stay faithful. Your test is preparing you for your promotion. The third thing, if you're taking notes, is simply this. My test is strengthening me for something that I can't see yet. My test is strengthening me for something that I can't even see. Oh, how I wish that God would show me the end. Like he knows the end from the beginning. So why is it that he works like my, my Apple Maps and just tells me to turn right, turn left, stay in this lane, stay in the right three lanes? Why does God work that way? Well, because he knows that at the end of the day we can't handle the story. Because well, we might see the payoff, but we'd also see all the pain. And he's like, if, if I, I can't show them, I can't show it all to them. They've just got to trust that the pain is preparing them for the payoff. And we've got to believe that our strength, our test is strengthening us for something that we cannot even see yet. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, It's written, I has not seen Ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. God has 
something special prepared for you. He has purpose prepared for you. And it doesn't matter if you've been serving God for six weeks or 60 years, God still has a next for you. God has something else for you. He's always beckoning us forward. That's why Paul said, I press, I press forward toward the mark where God is calling me to. God is beckoning us onward. And that's not just you know, preacher talk, that's Bible. God has something special for you and he's preparing you for that moment like the middle school football player but I want to play in the NFL we can't throw you out there on that field you will die so there's going to be some time in between there's going to be a lot of pain in between all those mornings during the summer and some of you guys are probably if you're high school football players you're having to get up at six o'clock every morning right now doing that strength and conditioning and it's not fun but your coaches are getting you ready for the fall they're getting you ready And God gets us ready for what he has prepared for us. Joseph had this dream at 17. He was going to be, ultimately, he was going to be second in command in Egypt and help save the people of Israel. But was Joseph prepared at 17 for that moment? Who knows how a 17-year-old would have responded to his brothers having to come and actually bow down before him. Who knows how he would have responded. But from the time that he got that dream until the time that it happened, Psalm 105, verse 18 and 19, hurt his feet with fetters. He's laid in irons. Until the time that his word came to pass, the Lord, the word of God, tested him. God had to prepare him for what he was calling him to. And every great man and woman of God throughout the scriptures discovered this. There were always seasons of testing before advancing. So some of y'all are thinking there must be some big advancement in my future because I'm going through crazy tests. Yeah, David, David had to fight a lion and a bear so he was prepared for Goliath. The lion and the bear just saved some sheep. The the destruction of Goliath saved a nation and propelled him into his purpose. He had been anointed by God to be the next king, didn't really know what that meant either. So there was a promise way back then, but between that anointing and actually him killing Goliath and ultimately taking over as king, there was a lot of pain. There was a lot of proving. And, And, you know, David's responsibility was just to take care of sheep, just to take care of sheep. So um, it's one thing to protect sheep from, you know, a fox or even a coyote or something. But my Lord, he had to deal with a bear. He had to deal with a lion. These are some big tests. But God was preparing him for a giant so that when he showed up to that battlefield that day and everybody was afraid of Goliath, he's like, what y'all afraid of? I mean, I've killed a lion and a bear. I'm not afraid of this Dude, Mary, the mother of Jesus, had to make a decision as a teenage girl to endure the shame, the pain of childbirth, the disownment from others because a teenage girl who was not married got pregnant. And all of these things, all of the stuff that she had to deal with, but she made the decision to accept that proving, that, that, that pain, so that she could birth the Savior. And that, that helped prepare her for what would happen to that Savior that she birthed, that she loved so much. She was able to survive and handle it and process it. She knew that this was a miracle child. 
because she knew that she, she had been impregnated by the Holy Spirit. So she knew there was a miracle here. So it helped prepare her for him being arrested and beaten and crucified. Daniel had a lion's den. The three Hebrew boys had a fiery furnace. Noah had to build an ark with all the jeering and the being made fun of. And Joseph, Joseph had to deal with the dungeon. His brothers lying on him, faking his death. His brothers selling him into slavery. Potiphar's wife lying on him, getting him thrown into prison. And now he's in prison for 11 years. And even in the dungeon, Joseph stayed faithful to God. He gets called to interpret dreams. Somebody says, there's a a, a dream interpreter here. And Joseph said, it's not me. I'm not the one who interprets dreams. It's God. Joseph, you're really going to be faithful to God? Look at what that's given you, bro. You've been, your death fake sold into slavery, light on, thrown into prison. You've been in prison for all of these years, like 11 years, or or at this point, nine years, and you're really going to be faithful to God? Yeah. But he did. He, with no one there to watch, with no social media, with nobody, no drone flying overhead, getting video footage of him interpreting the dreams. Um, Joseph interpreted the dreams. He allowed God to use him. Cupbearer and the baker, it's a big story. And he told them, please, when you get out of prison, remember me. Tell them about me so that I can get out too. Well, they forgot. But two years later, then Pharaoh has a dream. And now somebody remembers, oh, there's a dude in prison that can, that inter- can interpret dreams. Sure enough, after now 11 years in prison, Joseph stayed faithful. He said, it's all about God. We'll see if God can interpret the dream. Pharaoh, tell me, tell me your dream, and we'll see if God can interpret it. He stayed faithful to his gift, to his calling, all throughout the pain. If the greatest heroes in the Bible had to deal with test after test, what makes us think that we can be exempt? But we we don't need to be afraid of the test. Consider it pure joy when you face trials and tests of many kind. Because that testing is producing perseverance. And if you'll let it finish its work, there's so many, there's so much good that's going to come out of it. You're never going to get to the payoff without some proving in the middle. I know there are people in the room today who are dealing with kids that have gone crazy. Or spouse. Relationships. Maybe sickness in, in your body. And you've been tempted to just throw in the towel. I'm done. I'm done. And maybe some today, you just, God, I'm going to give you one more chance. And you've, you got up, came on to church. I'm glad you did because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We don't follow feelings, we follow faith. And I pray that your faith is being built in this room today. God's producing something. God's preparing you for a promotion strengthening you for something that you can't even see yet. And then fourth and finally, as I close today, you need to know that when it comes to your tests, you are not alone. You are not alone in your test. So many people have said in the past, including myself, God will never put more on you than you can handle. God never really said that. He just didn't really say that. And actually, I can tell you of a surety 
that there have been tons of seasons in my life when I was dealing with something I could not handle. And it's in those seasons that I learned to cry out to God, to go to Him. I've lost a dad, I lost a mom, I've had other tragedy around me, I've had, again, traumatic experience and traumatic moments, and I know that many of you have as well. We all have our own stories, and we all know if you've dealt with something like that, it was more than you could sustain on your own. But what I love about God and how he works, Psalm chapter 55, verse 22, says that we can cast our cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Like in those moments whenever I literally feel like this, God has a way of just sustaining me. I am not in my test alone. He gives me the promise and he, he, he will bring about the payoff but during the season of proving, in the middle, what's so awesome is when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He has the ability to sustain us. I have two boys and the youngest one just graduated from high school. My youngest one just graduated from high school and he's a unique kid in that he's always, he's always wanted to help me with yard work. My older one wanted to help with yard work until he was about 10, and then that's all over. <laughs> nah, I'm good, Dad. Come on, you had so much fun when you were eight. I'm good now. I'm good. I got all the yard work in I need. Um, but my, my younger one has always loved it, like he still loves it. Okay, he just graduated from high school, he's about to go off to college. We're, we're trying to deal with that. We're very sad. And one of the reasons I'm sad is because I don't know who's going to do my yard. Like he did the yard, and he, like, he won't let me cut the front yard. Like, I cut the front yard a few months ago, and he was mad. He came home, he was mad. What'd you do that for, Dad? Because he has, he likes to cut it, like, like diagonal lines, and he likes to, like a ball field or something, and, like, he wants it just perfect. You cut it too low, you cut it too loose, you got to cut it higher, Dad. Like, he's got, he's got it down to an art. But he's always loved it, and I actually, I actually have a picture of him when he was, he was little, and this was many, many years ago. Because again, this kid just graduated from high school. But he's always been, he's always loved this stuff. And on this particular day, I can tell you, um, he wanted to weed eat so bad. And uh, he, he wanted to do it so bad. And, and so I was kind of, okay, we, we were holding it together. No, let me do it. I do it. I do it. I do it. And uh, so I said, okay. And I stand back behind him. And Alicia was standing there. She actually had a pic, got a picture of this. Now he thinks... He's doing it. He thinks he's holding the weight himself. But this is, this is something, this is too big for him, y'all. This is too much for him, y'all. I mean, yeah, this is part of his life, and this is actually what he still loves to do now. But, but this is too big for him to handle by himself. So dad stands back behind him, and he thinks he's holding the weight, but he's not holding the weight. If you could see in the Spirit today, some of you would see what is so heavy to you and you think you're carrying it all by yourself. You are not. You have a heavenly father who's got your back. He's holding you. He's watching over you. He's leading you. He's guiding you. He's comforting you. He's giving you strength. In those situations that are too big for us to handle, I wish we could see you have a God that 
sustains you. You weren't created to handle things on your own. And he, as we walk through the valley, as we walk through the difficult seasons, the tests in life, whatever they might be for you, you are not alone. You are not alone. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, we are all going to deal with tests in our life. It's not a matter of if. It's not a matter of when. But Lord, it's, it's really a matter of whom. Who are we going to turn to? Where are we going to turn? Who are we going to trust? Who? And so today, Lord Jesus, I just want to pray for those in the room that are dealing with tests, those dealing with issues and struggles. God, you know us better than we know ourselves. And Lord, I know in a room like this, there are people dealing with all sorts of pain. Whether it's a kid, whether it's a sickness, whether it's a marriage, whether it's uh, a financial situation or some other traumatic experience that they're trying to heal from, mental situation. God, I want to pray peace and I want to pray strength over this building. We declare it in Jesus' name. We want to thank you, Lord God, for watching over us. We want to thank you for reminding us today that you're in charge and that all things work together for our good, that you are preparing us for our promotion. I just believe that there's somebody in the room that's just one step of faith away from the promotion that you have for them. God, give us the courage to stay faithful in the test. Stay faithful in the trial. Keep our joy in the trauma. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, as I continue to pray, if you are in the building or you're watching online and you are not in a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to pray a simple prayer of surrender and invite him to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. I want you to know that he loves you just like you are. I want you to know that he accepts you just like you are. But he loves you too much to leave you that way. In your brokenness, in your sin, as you sit here today with guilt and shame, he doesn't want you to feel that. He wants you to just open up the door and let him in and embrace his love and his grace and his healing and his hope. He has purpose for your life. No matter how much you feel like you have wasted, he still has a future for you. He still has a plan for you. So I'm going I'm to pray a simple prayer in just a moment and give you an opportunity to take a step of faith and to surrender your life to him. Some of you, you've never done that before. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Others, today, you, just, you know that you need to rededicate your life or re-surrender your life to him. So with nobody looking around, with all heads bowed, all eyes closed in this sacred moment, if you'd say, Jonathan, I want to be included in that prayer. I need a fresh start today. I need to surrender everything to Jesus today. Will you throw your hand in the air right now? Come on, let me see it. Hold them high. That's awesome, y'all. Hands all over the building. Leave them up for just a moment. Thank you, guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's awesome. All right, you can put your hands down now. I'm going to pray a simple prayer of surrender. I invite everybody to pray this along with me. In your own words. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you today. On this July 3rd, this, this holiday weekend of 2022, I'm making a fresh start and I'm following you. I'm inviting you to be the Lord and the Savior of my life, Jesus.
I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I repent today, my mistakes, God. Make my life clean like only you can. I'm starting over today, and I'm following you. I'm making you the Lord of my life. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe you gave your life for me and that you rose from the grave. And today, I'm making you the Lord of my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Come on, a big, big hand clap for everybody who just prayed that prayer. Come on. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.